Morning. morning. Are we good? Oh, this is working definitely. Great to be with you. How are we doing this morning? Great to be here. Great to see some of your faces. Some of you, your faces, I haven't seen for like over a year, maybe even more than that. So it's wonderful to see. I think I've seen you all sort of on the other side of a screen, uh, but I haven't seen you all, uh, you know, your faces. It's great to be in the same room. It's great to be here together, to worship together. Hello, darling. You're right. You're waving at me. Yeah. How you doing? It's good to have my boys here today. It's Isaac's birthday today. 11 years old. It was Noah's on Friday. So it's a weekend of celebration for us uh, as a family. Terrific boys, both of them. And uh, we've had some good times celebrating, haven't we, this weekend? It's good that they're here. But I'm really delighted to be here. I'm really delighted to have opportunity to open the Word of God with you. We're going to close up our series on the church this morning. So let's just pray and ask God by his Holy Spirit to come and help us understand, apply his word together. Lord, we love you. We're just grateful for this opportunity to be together, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just remind ourselves and recognize afresh that we are not just a group of people scattered and brought together into a room. There is something that holds us together this morning. And it's Jesus. We're not just individuals doing our own thing. We are profoundly held together by you. And Lord, it's our desire this morning um, that Jesus, you will be lifted up as we open your word and we seek to try and hear what you're saying, understand what you're saying and live in response to what you're saying. Lord, we recognize that we need the help of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus and for the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. So we've been spending several weeks just uh, thinking about the church. Thinking about the question, what is the church? I mean, what is it? What is it? What does God have in his mind and his heart? When he thinks about the church, what did God have in his mind and in his heart when he created the church? What is it? What are we supposed to be? Who are we? We've been trying to get back to that basic question. We've been opening the Bible and trying to explore and listen to God and hear what he has to say about who we are and who we should be. And the way we've been tackling that question over the last few weeks is just by picking up some of the images, some of the pictures that the Bible uses to describe the church. There's many images, metaphors, pictures that the Bible uses to describe the church. And each one of these images contributes something to help us understand who we are and who we should be. So we've spent time over the last few weeks thinking about the church as the bride or the church as uh, the family of God or the church as living stones being built into a spiritual house or the church as a temple. All of these images are brought out of the scriptures and they help us understand who we are and who we should be. And this morning we're going to be exploring another one of those images. We're going to be thinking this morning about the church as God's Field, God's field. 
That particular language only really appears once in the New Testament. Uh, But the imagery is all over the Bible, as I'm hoping to be able to show and share with you this morning. We're going to pick up the verse or the image from a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Does this think, does this work? Am I controlling it? Yeah. Does it? Are you sure? <laughs> oh, here we go. Is it a bit of a lag on it? So this is the, this is the Apostle Paul writing to um, a young church in Corinth. A church that had its problems, to be honest. Right? Have we got any problems in this church here? No, none at all. None at all. None at all. Absolutely perfect. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, but you will have. If you haven't got right now, we will have. Don't right? Uh, and that's okay because the church in Corinth had more problems than perhaps any church that I've ever been to. But Paul was writing to them. And uh, he's talking about um, the, I guess, the problem of making the leaders or lifting the leaders up too much in the church. So in the church at Corinth, there were people saying, we follow Paul, he's the main man, we're we're Paul's team. And there were other people in the church saying, well, we follow Apollos, he's the guy, we're not into Paul, some of what he says is a bit crazy, We, we prefer Apollos. And Paul was right in saying, no, 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 you've got it all wrong, Paul and Apollos, we're just servants doing what God has called us to do. He says, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And then Paul says this to the church, he says, we, i.e. him, Paul and Apollos, we are co-workers in God's service and you are God's field. You are God's field. Really interesting imagery that Paul uses to describe the church. And what I'd like for us to do this morning is just to lift that imagery and hold it up and begin to explore it and see what it has to teach us about who we are and who we should be. So let's think together about the imagery of a field. What are fields? Well, here's the first thing I want to share with you. Fields are spaces that are filled with almost limitless potential. Right? Fields are filled filled with limitless potential there is so much that you can produce within a field so much life and nourishment and beauty and creativity and vitality that can be produced in a field field are filled with potential Just like the church of Jesus Christ, right? Just like this room is filled with potential. Potential for life, vitality, beauty, creativity. The church of Jesus Christ is filled with potential, amen? But in order to see that potential realized, it has to grow, okay, in a field. To see potential realized in a field, it has to grow. And in order for something to grow, the field needs to be cultivated, right? Growth doesn't just happen in a field. 
well, growth does just happen in a field, but it's not the kind of growth that you want. We all know that if you leave a field empty for any given period of time without paying any attention to it, without looking after it, without feeding it, without cultivating it, what happens? Chaos. Right? Just last summer, I decided to dig a flower bed in my garden. I got the spade out, I started digging, I raked the soil, I turned it all over. Beautiful soil, ready for something to be planted, ready for flowers to grow, ready for shrubs to go in, ready for beauty to begin to flourish. But I kind of got sidetracked, got distracted with other jobs and the flower bed ended up staying there for several weeks. And what happens? Now, if you come to my house, you're just going to see this mess (laughs) of chaos. You see, you leave anything untended. It ends up in chaos. It's what we call the law of entropy, right? Everything tends toward chaos. And so it is with a field. If you want to see the field, realize its full potential. If you want it to produce life and beauty and um, glory, well, then it needs to grow. And in order to grow, it needs care and attention. So it is with the church of Jesus Christ. So it is with our individual lives as Christians, but also with our lives as a collective, as a corporate body. If we want this body of people to realize its full potential, it's not going to happen on its own. right? It's not going to happen overnight. It needs care, it needs attention, it needs time, it needs investment, it needs energy. We're taught this throughout the Bible, right? In fact, just this week we were talking together as a staff team about some words that the Apostle Peter wrote to the church. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, he says this, For this reason, Peter says, I want you to make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we want our lives to be fruitful, Peter says, you need to make every effort to add these things to your faith. If you want a field to produce fruit, you need to work. You need to cultivate. You need to take care of it. You need to protect it. You need to work it. If you want it to produce fruit, same in our lives, same in the church. Now hear me, hear me. The effort that we apply to our walk with Jesus and to our relationships as a community, it is grace-driven effort, right? That's really important. Grace-driven effort that is powered by love, right? The, the effort that Peter is, 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 is encouraging us to apply to our faith and to our relationship with Jesus and each other is effort that is driven by grace, not driven by self-discipline in and of itself, you know, or willpower in and of itself. And it's motivated by love, not motivated by guilt or pride. or con- Th- Those things won't produce the kind of fruit 
that Jesus wants his church to produce. But if the effort that we apply is being driven by the grace of God and being motivated by love for God, well then, Peter says, we're going to be effective and fruitful. We want this field to be effective and fruitful, don't we? We want this field to produce fruit to the glory of God. You are God's field. And in order for you to fulfill or us to fulfill the potential that exists, it needs time, it needs energy, it needs investment, and it needs to be cultivated. So that's the first thing about a field. Filled with potential, needing time and effort in order to see that potential realized. But here's the other interesting thing about a field and I think this is perhaps where I want us to uh, to stay just for a few moments this morning everything that a field produces whether it's flowers whether it's crops whether it's fruit whatever it may be everything that a field produces is intended to contribute to the flourishing of the world Right? Everything that is produced in a field is intended to be used to contribute to the flourishing of the world around it. So you grow crops in a field so that people can eat and live, right? You grow flowers in a field so that people can enjoy the beauty of creation. Fields exist for the purpose of the flourishment of the world around it. So it is with the church we're filled with potential right there's so much potential that God wants to see drawn out in the life of the church but whatever it is that God wants to grow and produce within the life of the church he intends for it to be used to bless the world right he intends for it to be used to contribute to the flourishing of the world around it this has always been the purpose of God's people, right from the very beginning. Right from the very beginning. You remember the story, right? God made the world. Everything we see, he made it just by the power of his word. And we're told that he plants a garden in the east and he calls the garden Eden. And then he places humans there and he gives the humans a job. What is the job? Anyone know? Cultivation, yeah, right? Work and keep the garden, God said. In other words, look after it, protect it, but work it, cultivate it, draw out the potential of this land, God says to the humans. See, God could have, God could have placed a fully grown, fully mature, fully realized garden, but he doesn't. He places a garden loaded with potential, and then he places humans in that garden, and he says, right, your job is to draw out the potential of this place work and keep it but it wasn't just for the benefit of Adam and Eve that they were to draw out the potential of the garden it was for the benefit of the whole world because God's command to them was I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth in other words God says to them this garden that I've given you draw out its potential and expand its borders until it fills the whole earth. You see, the purpose for Adam and Eve being placed in the garden was so that the whole earth would come to experience the blessing and the goodness 
of God. That is the purpose of the church. God places us in a space, commands us to be people who draw out potential in order to bless the whole world. This has always been the way God intended it for the people of God, right? Adam and Eve kind of messed up their commission, right? They, they used the garden for their own selfish agenda instead of for the blessing of the whole world. And they, they forfeited the blessing of God and they ended up, uh, and, and the garden and their lives and the world ended up being marked by frustration and corruption rather than vitality and life and goodness and pleasure. You know the story, right? But God never gave up on his heart's desire. He gave, never gave up on his design. And so many, many, many years later, he calls a guy called Abraham. And the commission is almost exactly the same as it was to Adam and Eve. Look at this. You know this really well. Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. This is um, a promise that God gives to Abraham. The Lord says to Abraham, go from your country, your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Right? So that, they're the most important words in that promise. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, Abraham was called and appointed and chosen by God. Not because Abraham was more special than anyone. Not because Abraham was more deserving of the blessing of God than anyone else. God, uh, Abraham was chosen by God in order to be the channel through which the blessing of God flows to the rest of the world. You see, God's people have always existed with the purpose of the flourishing of the entire earth it was that way in the beginning it was that way with abraham and it's that way for us here today as well you know what's really interesting is uh when you read through the old testament which you know i did last night read through the whole old testament (laughs) just in preparation for this morning right and uh When God speaks about his people and his dealings with his people, it's really interesting to notice how often God chooses to use language that's connected to agriculture, gardening, planting, horticulture, whatever you want to call it. It's really interesting how often God speaks about his people using this kind of language and this kind of imagery. Let me give you a few examples from the Old Testament. Here we go. This is Exodus 15. This is the people of Israel celebrating on the banks of the Red Sea after God had just delivered them. And they sang a song and it said this, You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. Moses says, you're going to plant your people. It doesn't say you're going to place them. It says you're going to plant your people. Another example, Psalm 44. We've heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days and days long ago. With your hand, you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. Psalm 80, you brought a vine 
out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. Next one, Jeremiah 24. My eyes will watch over them for their good, speaking about his people. I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. And finally, Amos chapter 9. I will bring my people, Israel, back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Over and over again. This is just a small selection. This happens all over the place in the Old Testament. The people of God are described using this imagery and this language of being planted. And that's really intentional. It's not an accident. God did not choose to speak about his people using this language just randomly. It's really intended to teach us something profound about the purpose, about the purpose of the people of God. The people of God are planted. In other words, the people of God are something that should be growing, right? They're they're living. They're a living, dynamic organism that grows. That's what the people of God are. And this is what Israel were appointed for. And this is what the church are. And I think this is kind of what Paul is tapping into when he says to the church in Corinth, you are God's Field, right? You're God's field. In other words, you're a people that are intended for growth. You're a people that are intended for contributing to the flourishing of the whole world. Over and over again in the Old Testament, God says, my people, I planted them, I planted them, I planted them. In other words, my people should be growing. (laughs) they should be growing into something that contributes to the flourishing of the entire world. This kind of language comes up all over the place. You don't have to read your Bible for long um, before you find God speaking about his people using this kind of language. Growing, planting, sowing, flourishing. It's all over the Bible, especially in the words of Jesus. I mean, you know these words, right? Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, a.k.a. the church. Or what parable should we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. It's a powerful parable that Jesus says. He says the kingdom of God, and we are a part of the kingdom of God here today. It's like a seed that goes into the ground, and it it begins small and seemingly insignificant, but it begins to grow, and it grows, and it grows, and it becomes the largest of all the garden plants, and as it becomes larger and larger, 
the birds of the air come and make their home in its shade. It's a beautiful picture of the church. It's this living, dynamic, growing organism that grows bigger and bigger. And as it gets bigger and bigger, it doesn't, it doesn't grow for the purpose of dominating the world. No, no. It grows for the purpose of restoring the world, right? This tree that Jesus talks about it doesn't, it doesn't just become the biggest tree in the garden for, for its own benefit, but it becomes the biggest tree in the garden so that the birds of the air can come and find a home. That's the church, right? That's the church. As we look after what God's given us, as we draw out the potential of what God has entrusted to us, as we begin to grow, we contribute to the flourishing of the world. We become a place where other people can come and find rest, can come and find supply, can come and find strength, just as the birds of the air make their home in the branches of the tree, so the people of the world can find a home and strength and shade and refreshment within the community of the church. All of this language, all of these ideas are tied up into this picture that Paul gives us of the church as God's field. See, the church has always been intended to grow. Not for the purpose of world domination, but for the purpose of world restoration. Right? We grow as we tend to what God has given us. As we make every effort, we grow. And as we grow, we produce well, we produce something that supplies the needs and contributes to the flourishing of the world around it. This is the purpose of the church, friends. It's not just the purpose of the church, it's the promise of God as well. Here's, I think, perhaps the most beautiful verse concerning God's people um, in the Old Testament. This is the promise of God. Look at this one in Isaiah 27. In days to come, Jacob will take root Jacob, the people of God, Israel, the people of God, will bud and blossom and will fill all the world with fruit. That is God's heart. That's God's desire. That's God's purpose for his people is that they take root and as they take root, they begin to grow and they begin to blossom. And as they blossom, the whole world is filled with fruit. That's the design, that's the design for God's people. And it's the promise. I mean, aren't we living in the fulfillment of this promise, right? This was thousands of years ago when Israel was in exile. It looked like the people of God were a forgotten entity. It looked like the people of God were, were, were useless and weren't contributing to the life of the world. They weren't fulfilling their destiny. God speaks a promise. He says, no, 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 no. My people will take root. And they will bud and blossom and they will fill the world with fruit. That was thousands of years ago and here we are. And the world is filled with the fruit of God's people, right? But there's still more fruit to be produced. There's still more fruit to be produced and that's our job. That's our job as God's people, as God's field, as the church. It's our job to produce something that will contribute to the flourishing of the world. It's our job to produce something that's going to contribute to the restoration of 
the world. And so here we are. God's field. Sunny Hill Church, Ferndown. God's fields, just north of Bournemouth. Here we are. Questions as we close up. What are we doing to draw out the potential of this field? What are we doing to draw out the potential that exists? One, in our own lives, but also in our collective lives as a body. What are we doing? How are we contributing? How are we working and keeping what God has given us? Are we investing time, energy, you know? Are we investing prayers? Are we investing, you know, resource into the potential that exists within this field? Or is this a field that we just take a nice walk through for one hour or two hours a week? It's a challenge to reflect on. How are we working to draw out the potential that God has placed amongst us? And second question is, what are we growing in here that will contribute to the flourishing of the world out there? Right? What are we growing in here that will contribute to the flourishing of the world out there? Because that's what we exist for. We exist to bless the world. It's always been the purpose of God's people. Right from the very beginning. Fill the earth, God says to Adam and Eve. Fill the earth with my blessing. Fill the earth with my goodness. Fill the earth with my glory. And he appears to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing to the rest of the earth. And he appears to God's people today and he says you're my field there's potential amongst you potential for life and goodness and glory and beauty and creativity and 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 and, and i want you to draw that potential out and use it to bless the world around you you are god's field we are god's field let's pray together and I'm going to invite Fabiano to come and share communion with us. Lord, we are living in the fulfillment of this promise. You promised that your people would fill the world with fruit. And here we are with the fruit. But Lord, we know there's more fruit to be produced, both in our own lives and for the benefit of the world around us. And so, Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit and by the power of your grace, Lord, we pray that you would enable us and equip us to make every effort to draw out the potential, to maximize what you've given to us, to steward it with all diligence, Lord, not for our benefit, not for our glory, not for our fame, but for your glory, Lord and for the blessing of the world around us. We pray that you would help us in the name of Jesus and for the glory of the Father. Amen.